0: everybody, this is G, and you're listening to the SITREP Modern Wargaming Podcast, and this is our Memorial Day Special Edition episode. This will be our final episode before we take our summer break and get ready for the next season of the SITREP Podcast. And with us today, I have Ralph from England. Hey, folks. And Jim from sunny Florida. Hello, everybody. And this is G again, and I'm Colin. Colin, I'm in uh, Chicagoland, and we actually had some sun for about an hour, and then it clouded up again. So, today, uh, at the time of this recording, is Memorial Day here in the United States. This is one of the three military-related holidays that we have. Uh, We have Armed Forces Day, which uh, is a day that we appreciate everybody who's serving currently. We have Memorial Day, which is our national holiday uh, in observance of those who have given their lives in the service of our country in the military. And then we have Veterans Day in November, which uh, I believe in the UK and some parts of Europe is also known as Remembrance Day. And that is the day we uh, observe anybody who has served in the military in the service of this country. So today is a very solemn day here in the United States as we remember those who did not make it home. But on a more cheerful note, we're going to talk a little bit about war gaming today and some hobbying, and we have a couple of recommendations for gaming systems for you as well. So, Ralph, why don't you start us off with some hobby? What have you been up to or what you got done?
1: Oh, well, I finished my nuts. Awesome. so all 12 of my what I've called is Wolf Unit which uh, I'm giving them a narrative name and I'm going to write a little bit of fluff possibly about them and stuff so they're all fully complete based painted, they just need to be lacquered with some Vallejo sealant on them over the top I'll give them a couple of coats of that and they're done I got dug out the M113 that I'd picked up from Empress mounted my Spectre Turret to it, and inside the turret, put a DK SH in it. So it's my insurgent um, transport. That's primed in black, ready. And I built my T fourteen today from Empress as well, which is an impressive piece of resin. Is it? Oh yes, it's a very very heavy piece of resin. Um, But that's the modern Russian battle tank to go with the Tiger I've got. So the next thing I think be painting for my Spetsnaz will be the Tiger. So nice. that'll get done, and then onto the T fourteen, and then I can start on my insurgents because I went through my collection of Specter minis to see how many members of the Op four I've gotten. I've got quite a few packs of a mountain of lead in there, so <laughs> that needs to be based and primed, ready to start painting. So excellent. I've got an ongoing project or two.
0: It sounds like it. Uh, do you have any plans during our break?
1: Um. Try to do as little as possible. <laughs> but that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, um, I'll fit some hobby in amongst doing other things because work's starting to heat up and, and stuff. So yeah, things will get done. I'll have things done, but it's going to be probably doing the Tiger and the T14 first and trying out the new um, AK Interactive paint sets I got from from them. Um, I picked up, because I've got the, the AK a Book, um, modern finished figures camouflage, which is like a guide on painting 135th scale, uh-huh. it's, it's the example, but it's using the AK paint range. And in the back of the went when on the back of the book but the back section of camouflage is black, so it's like the things that you would see SWAT units wearing, yeah. And the paint set they recommended was the AK Interactive Panzer set, they do a set for painting Panzer, um, Truebus. So the tank set, so it's different colors of, you know, of, of basically a gradient of a, a, a black-blue base. So there's the instructions on that, and they do Zenithing on their priming for the figure that they've got as an example. And now I've never done any Zenithing before. I think I may try that. But I may do it with the SAS Urban uh, Spectre that they did the uh, Close Assault set with the, the gas masks. Yeah. So, I might dig a base one of them to try doing a Zenith um, priming and then prime it with the the blacks from dark to light to see what it looks like. Maybe. Gotcha. <laughs> Maybe. But I've also got me Baba Yaga to paint, so, you know.
0: Oh, did you get your new one, your replacement?
1: Yes, I got my replacement. Spectre were very nice and. I've got a replacement with my last Spectre order, and I've made a Spectre order this week just to top up my Insurgents. So I've got the recoilless rifle on the stand coming. Yeah. Um, the Sniper, and something else as well, I can't remember. Oh, so, so they'll be for my Insurgents. And then waiting to see if war bases in the UK, they're releasing Bin Laden's compound So, as MDF, which I'll be interested in seeing. The price on that because they're releasing the whole compound in MBF. So, that'll be an interesting one to pick up. Cool.
2: All right. How about you, Jim? Uh, no time for hobby, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, when is there ever? Right. Um, we have been doing some... Uh, well, that's actually not entirely true. It depends on what you define as hobby. Uh, we have been... Doing some pretty uh, interesting live games uh, lately. We've had a couple good games of Dark Star. Uh, we've had some uh, more on the modern warfare sort of a vein. We've had uh, our first playtest of Naval Command. Our first couple playtests of the Naval Command system uh, by Rory Crab. Oh yeah, we can talk more about that later as far as whether or not it's recommended or not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the, the uh, jury's still out on that one. Um, Air War C-21, we've had some additional games in Air War C-21 uh, live on stream. Uh, the games didn't go perfectly, but that was not the system's fault. That was mostly my fault. Um, but the, uh, but the, the game nevertheless went, went pretty well. We did some recreations of opening uh, Air, Sea campaign, actually Air, Land, and Sea uh, engagements of the Falklands War. Uh, with bombardment of the Port Stanley Airport, and so on and so forth. Uh, We've been doing a lot of work in uh, our old reliable standby, Valor and Victory. I know I'm always talking about that game, but that's because it's so utilitarian. It's so malleable. It's so expandable. You can use it for just about anything. It really is a useful tool. Uh, Most recently, uh, we've been building, or I've been building uh, a British army and an Argentinian army. Uh, for Valor and Victory, specifically for the British, we're talking about Royal Marine Commandos. And uh, yesterday, at the time of this recording, we had a live demo game on our Twitch channel where we uh, actually put some counters on the board and actually tried them out for the first time. So we're continuing to expand uh, the swath of history and military operations that Valor and Victory can cover and can recreate very easily for players on the battle top, on, the, uh, on, on the on the tabletop. Um. We have had two. Let's see. Uh, now it's going to be two Saturdays ago, so eight days ago as of this recording, an absolute monster of a, a Panzer Blitz game uh, with community members uh, Bruce Lee and Damon uh, and myself, and that was probably the most fun I've had at a gaming table since I can't even remember uh, since probably that Valley of Tears game we did also Twitch on a live stream um, with with Damon. It's just you know. That game, the Panzer Blitz system, turns 50 years old this year, and it's still the king of games. No other war game comes close to it. Full stop, roll the credits. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're getting ready for some projects going forward. Uh, so we've got one more episode of the Ops Center to do for the Falklands, and then we're going to be taking uh, a nice long break from that um, in conjunction with our, our normal you know summer break or whatever. Uh, in which we're going to be covering ground operations, so that kind of dovetails into what we've been doing with Valor and Victory, British and Argentinians. Again, we have British Marine Commandos pretty much worked up in that system. Now, uh, I'm going to go ahead and shift over. Now, I'm going to try and do probably some uh, some Paris. So that we can do some of the more famous engagements. Oh, nice! Um, but yeah, it's it's about you know where certain units of the British military you know was in the Falklands. I mean, you can't have for just you know super quick example uh, out of thin air. You can't just grab you know like Darwin or um, Goose Green and have you know Royal Marine commandos there. That was a para battle, so we're going to have to have you know some para counters to put in those battles. Uh, then yes. you've got like. Wow! Uh, then you've got like the uh, two sisters uh, battle that took place later in the war. Conversely, that's the opposite. You've yeah. got you know you can't you can't put in, You have to have uh, marine commandos there. There's also Scots Guards, uh, Welsh Guards, uh, at least the ones that got off of uh, HMS Glamorgan in time. And uh, you've even got I think it's Seventh Gurkha Rifles. Uh, involved there and of course they have their own kit their own uniforms you know the rules system is going to be all the same but the artwork on the counters is going to be different so we got a little bit more photoshop work in our future uh, to to build all these new maps and new armies and new counters and everything else like that and that's going to take us through um, the end of uh, uh, Op Center episode 8 and the second campaign so to speak of Op Center we did the
0: Arab-Israeli Wars now we're going to wrap up the Falklands and uh, see where we go from there Excellent. I didn't know Gurkhas were, um, involved in the Falklands. Uh, yeah, I don't
2: know how much action they actually got into, but they did get there. They're, they're, they're part of like the third wave of, of troops that were landed. So the, the, the first big unit is, um can't remember the name of the brigade. I think it's the third. Somebody correct me in the comments if I'm wrong there. Uh, the third um, commando brigade, that's going to be Paris and Royal Marine Commandos. Then comes the fifth um, special for- uh, special forces, uh, the, the fifth army brigade. That's where you have the guards. So you've got, uh, like I said, Scots guards and um, Welsh. And then after that, there's uh, some additional army troops, including Garkas that get put in there. I think they were in some of the battles of the firefights wrapping up right toward June, but uh, yes, they definitely were there.
0: Awesome. So what are your plans for your off time for your break? I know you got some D day Uh, stuff coming, right?
2: There, there really isn't really going to be an off time or a break (laughs) (laughs) because, um, the, these op center episodes require at least like, you know, a month of lead time. So a month off means it's just, give me a little bit of breathing room to kind of get the, you know, the next big series started. Um, we have more than a few, uh, candidates as far as what that's going to be. Um, we've got some, um, requests on YouTube and on tabletop, and there's some other things that either I want to do, or I feel I could easily do because of, uh, miniatures and armies and game systems I already have, you know, here in the house. So it would be, you know, relatively easy to kind of pivot into them. So there's going to be a few candidates there. Uh, that's going to be part of it, part of the break. Um, we're doing a lot more Panzer Leader coming up. Uh, we might be doing some, uh, believe it or not, some post-apocalyptic gaming. Uh, we're going to see how uh, my friend Andrew, that's Bruce Lee on the uh, on the tabletop community, does at um, UK Games Expo. He's going there with part of the on tabletop um, sort of you know support militia, so to speak. And he's going to try and get some FaceTime with uh, some of the people from Steve Jackson Games. These are the people that came out with um, the game that we're talking about. Basically, he's really fired up for an old classic from the 1980s, Car Wars. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's, 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 a deep cut. That's going way back. Oh, yes. So, um, we literally on. well, we, we weren't, we weren't recording this, but we were in a, we were in, in a, uh, in a web conference. Uh, we tore apart our closets right there in real time. We're like, where is this thing? Do we still have it? Sure enough. I found this old book that hasn't been opened in literally 30 years. I had to go in my closet with a fedora and a bullwhip, but I did get it. <laughs> I did successfully dodge the giant rolling ball that came out after me. So we're all good. Excellent. Um, yeah, we found these old rule books. We've got some. New- now it's just whether or not we can um, we can uh, make it compatible with web play. <laughs> Basically, whether or not we can create everything. Um,
0: oh, man. Are you guys getting some interference? Yeah. Somebody got their cell phone next to their mic. Uh, no. That is not me. Yeah.
2: No. Um, what was I going to say? Um, I got distracted there. Yeah, so we're going to see whether or not we can bring Car Wars into the web environment, whether we can play it the way we play Darkstar and Panzer Leader and things like that. Um, the, the jury's kind of still out on that one. We're going to see how well um, Bruce Lee does at a UK Games Expo, whether or not this new second edition of Car Wars is any smoother or simpler than the original. Um, Car Wars, which was fun, but not the most user friendly game in all the world. you know yeah uh, some of the movement rules were, were very very granular, very detailed. Uh, we're gonna see if we can simplify that a little bit, come out with some new maps. That's gonna be part of it. Um, Dark Star Wave 2 is um, almost ready for release and that's going to introduce four new factions. They're not really new factions. They're just the four factions I couldn't squeeze into the original book. Sure. But we have four more factions coming out, um, another 20 ship classes for those factions, and another 10 classes of, of warship for the six factions that were already you know rolled out earlier. Yeah. So by the time these two re- releases are done, we're going to have a total of 10 factions and um, 30 plus um, – yeah, like something like 65 warship classes uh, that people can play. So we're going to, you know, we're definitely going to expand that universe there. And then for the uh, the D-Day boot camp, or I should say for the D-Day 75th anniversary, while the boot camp's in progress, um, I was a little, I don't want to say distressed, but I did notice in some of the vlogs where they said that they weren't doing any of the actual beach tables. Um, yeah, that no beach. is That is totally understandable because I have done beach tables in the past they are doable but those are easily the hardest tables i've ever done beach tables are no are no laughing matter Mm -hmm. to do a beach table right is really really hard Uh, they're even harder than a a real life uh, urban board complete with sewers and inside of buildings and rooftops and stairwells and everything else like that especially the beaches like gold beach and omaha beach where you have those big bluffs and cuts and everything else like that um the other smoother beaches that's going to be Utah, Juno, and uh, Sword. It will be a little easier because they don't have those big bluffs behind the beaches, but th- the famous ones, Gold and Omaha, are really tough. Um, I have pulled it off in the past, but uh, certainly not on any kind of a boot camp standard. So I can imagine where the guys would not want to build, you know, 12 of those tables. That would just be impossible. Sure. Yeah. But what we're going to do in Panzer Leader is we are going to do um, live during that weekend, during one of our streams, um, a, um, a recreation in Panzer Leader of one of the two British beaches. We haven't quite made up our mind yet whether or not we're doing sword or whether or not we're doing gold. My personal vote is for gold. Uh, gold is tougher. You also have tougher German units there. So we'll see what we do. We're not going to do the whole beach some people might remember some of the older community members might remember we did all of Juno Beach that's the big Canadian beach in um, in Panzer leader literally the entire thing and the game took uh, a couple days and, and all about 12 hours of gameplay but we did get through it. Um, we won't be trying that again for either gold or sword but we're gonna be doing at least like you know a couple a, a little slice of it, like maybe like one battalion landing sector. Of, of one of those two beaches, and we'll see how uh, we'll see how we do. We do have some uh, some opponents lined up for that. Some people have requested it, uh, and we're going to be you know some people like myself who can't get to that boot camp, uh, unfortunately. And we're going to have our own little small uh, gaming event that weekend, um, you know, to commemorate the 75th anniversary of uh, the Overlord landings, and that's pretty much going to take me through the summer. One more uh, one more thing that's going to take me through the later part of the summer is I have been approached by my friend Piotr that's Yavasa uh, on the website, um, uh, who who lives in Poland, and we are going to start looking at Panzer Leader and perhaps Valor and Victory, but most definitely Panzer Leader. In never mind the 75th anniversaries, we are going to do the September 1st German invasion of Poland. Oh wow! We're going to get started on the 80th anniversaries for World War II right off the bat. So September 1st, 2019 will mark the 80th anniversary of the very first day of World War II. Uh, we have a lot of primary sources on that. We have Yabasu, who lives very close to some of the battlefields. Uh, we have a lot of, um, of pretty serious people who are really interested in that part of the war. It's often overlooked, which uh, we're going to try and fix um, whether, you know, how widely published that's going to be remains to be seen. We're going to see what we can come up with as far as, um, uh, you know, coordination with other teams. But, um, yeah, that's definitely something that we want to do. That's going to require a lot of research, more maps to draw, more counters to build and stuff like that, taking me through the later part of the summer. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much my summer for, for 2019 already kind of laid out.
0: Wow. That's quite a bit. Where's the break? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, let's see. Hobby wise for me, um, I completed the Mena guy on the live stream the other night. I completed the Russian Federation uh, soldier from Ultra Combat Modern from Dish Dash Publishing. And I started working on the uniforms for the Spectre Razor crew. Um, I'm following the how-to to do multi-cam on their site. So I'm going to follow that and see how it turns out. I'm going to do that step by step.
1: That's how I did the Russians, actually. I used multicam on them, and I used the Spectra guide.
0: Yeah? How I know it's not like, I, I yeah, know it's, like, oh, good, it's huh?
1: fine. Yeah, they look good. I mean, they're, they're, you know, tabletop ready, and that's what I wanted, something to go on the table that represents Perfect. the force, you know. Not to not to look like uh, they've been painted for competition, like what Stephen does on the Spectra website, because that stuff's amazing, the same as Andy's stuff, as well, Andy's act stuff, so, yeah. you know. I'm not that standard, but I'm happy with what came out, so I use their guide, and their guide works really well.
0: You know, as, it just goes back to my theory about painting. If you're happy with it, then it's perfectly mm-hmm. fine. You know, you yeah. can't judge yourself by how others paint and show off. If you like what you have, and if you don't, you just practice, 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 and you'll definitely get better. The more mm-hmm. you do it, the better you will get. So, um, But, yeah, that's what I've been working on. Um other than that, not too much, you know, I have school I'm trying to finish up and some other things, but uh, that's what I've been working on. Uh, I've been following along, you know, watching Jim create his counters for Valor and Victory. Uh, it's just amazing. Jim, you need to start your own game company. Seriously.
2: Um, it's It's been brought up before.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you know let alone Darkstar, you know, I think you could really be successful in that, you know, in that, you know, business, so... Um, but other than that, I backed a Kickstarter and I honestly do not remember what it's for. <laughs> it was a new game that's coming out. Where's Kickstarter?
2: That's the first sign that
0: you have a problem. It is. It is truly. <laughs> Admitting you issue. have a problem is the first step. <laughs> I mean, it's that uh, bad when you do not remember what you're yeah. backing. Um, I secured
1: oh. door this weekend purchased the Alien RPG. <clears throat> yeah.
0: So, okay, this is not technically modern, but it is w- my favorite era of gaming and military mm-hmm. history outside of modern. And this is called Victoria Cross Deluxe Edition 2, and it's the Battle of Rourke's Drift in Islan I it's saw
1: series. that one.
0: And it is kind of Hex Encounter-ish. Uh, I guess this was the first game that the... Um, company ever published, and that's Worthington Publishing, so I backed that one, and then I packed another one called, uh, what was that one called, Uh, Custer's Last Stand, so... Oh, there you go. Yeah, a couple, uh, you know, traditional war game, board game type games. Uh, It hasn't been too much on the modern aspect uh, recently, so... um, you know, as far as hobby, that's pretty much been my hobby for right now. How about a little bit of uh, news? There hasn't been much
1: news-wise.
0: It's been kind of a quiet week or two, but there's been a couple little blips. Ralph, did you want to talk about one or two? There's,
1: There's been a lot. Um, Empress have been putting out some pictures of their Vietnam sets that they've been doing. And they the look Battle really Hue. good, Jim. You should see For the this. Battle of Hue stuff, the 28 millimeter Battle of Hue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Really nice, nice miniatures. I mean, it's Empress. Empress do some really, really stunning um, minis anyway. Their moderns are really good. And the Vietnam set's really good. I was thinking about getting a collection of the marine ones um, just to paint up and have a a play with painting, painting peeling them up in in things. Have you guys
2: seen – I can't remember um – The name of that he probably told me what the company was, but I can't remember. Volley Fire Andy on the on tabletop site has a single figure painted. I don't know if it's the ones he may be the ones you're talking about, Ralph, but he has a 28 millimeter U.S. Marine Vietnam figure on there. And number one, Volley Fire Andy did a fantastic job on the paint. Mm -hmm. But even beneath that, you can tell that holy crap, this miniature is awesome. I almost want to log on the site now and see uh, if he mentions Mm -hmm. what that company
1: was because Andy Zach's been posting his up. Um, Volleyfire? No, they're Empress, the ones oh, okay. that he's been posting up.
2: No, Volleyfire uh, was the name of the community member. Let me see oh, the hey. if, it's, if it um, says the name of the uh, the company.
1: Because I think it's Empress as well. They've been doing custom heads on a couple of them, and I think they're releasing them. And one is going to be Private Joker. And the other one is... Who oh, was Joker's...
2: Rafterman. Companion. Rafterman.
1: Rafterman.
2: Rafterman was his companion. As a right. photographer,
1: yeah, talking about, talking
2: about the guy he went away with. It's way
1: yeah. the guy he yeah. went
2: away with, or the guy that he met there from boot camp.
1: That was cowboy. No, it was cowboy. It's it's and Cowboy that they're doing as as two minis by the looks of it for for their their sets as well. Um, and then you've got Green Go Forty as well. Have just put out a load of U.S. Marines. Yeah, for i was it as well. to
0: share and, the picture on uh, Skype here so Jim could see it. Um, yeah,
1: the green go ones are so quite nice as well because they've got the um, sniper team, which looks really nice.
0: Yeah, let me see if I can. I don't know if you can see that, Jim. But um, oh yeah, there we go. So those are the USMC from Vietnam. Those look really good.
1: Yeah, that's the green go forty stuff, yeah. and that's as close as the the Empress ones are just as good as that, as well.
0: Yeah, I mean those so, look. I mean, look at this guy. He's got a law. Oops. So yeah, those look pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. The old flak jackets, the steel pots.
1: Yeah. There seems to be a lot of of, of, of impetus go getting 28 millimeter Vietnam minis out, you know, so yeah. it looks like that's the next, should we say, next big thing in moderns possibly?
0: Well, you know, it's almost like a cycle because if you remember, well, if you... Back in the 80s, Vietnam was big. You know, you had mm-hmm. Yeah, Full Metal Jacket. You had Platoon. You know, you had um, what was that TV show? Um, Berger Hill. Yeah, Tour of Duty
1: was the TV yeah. series. So, I
0: mean, there was all this Vietnam stuff. You know, it was like a twenty-year cycle. So mm. I don't know what their resurgence is, but I mean, I think it's just an untapped area for wargaming, and so they said, "Why not?" There's another little yeah. company I've never heard of. Lancaster Games producing SGMM modern US Afghan and Vietnam 20 mil um, they posted a picture some 20 mil US special forces for Vietnam I'm assuming this is a first attempt um, take a look at them form an opinion of yourself I'm going to leave it at that so you know if, if that's something you're looking for you know um um, i was looking back at the site and volley fire andy was painting yeah it
2: was one of the ones you guys were talking about a gringo 40 28 millimeter vietnam war range and his photos i'm looking at the uh his finished 28 millimeter uh painted up and again i know i'm not trying to take anything away from his paint job his paint job is astounding but underneath the paint job and he even says this in his post the quality of the miniature all right G. um I'm looking at the at the final you know painted image. Uh-huh. The M16 does not have the forward assist on the bolt carrier group. It has the old M16, the original M16 plastic handguards. Yeah. It has that. It has that three pronged flash suppressor. I mean, you can tell it's a Vietnam era M16 down to whether or not there's a forward assist on the bolt carrier group. I mean, wow. It's, the the original this is all in twenty eight millimeter it has the old uh, twenty the, the old twenty round box magazine which I guess that would be pretty easy to do um, yeah you, uh, you can tell exactly where the flag checking ends and the purse and the uh, the regular you know um, utility blouse begins um, yeah it's a really fantastic venture you can see the uh, the folds and the um, the canvas of the uh, canteen cover. Yeah, you can. um that yeah it's it's actually really uh, the little stamps where those, those two wings kind of flap over the top of your canteen cover it's uh, it's an amazing little miniature and of course you did a great job painting it and basing it but um, yeah those those gringo 48s or I'm sorry those gringo 40 28 millimeters um, yeah. just from what I've seen in photographs look really really good
0: yeah I just looked up the page and yeah, it's pretty amazing
1: yeah the, pretty amazing. O- the other thing as well that um dropped a week ago. Was Specter put out a pitchup which I've just linked to it from um, their Instagram of the possibly? Do you know how they did the the kill team? They did the set of five Middle Eastern what they called was the kill team. So it was the guys with the AKS. Uh-huh. Uh huh. they're doing what looks like a kill team support mini coming, um, which is their new the new green that Stephen that they put out from on their Instagram and it looks quite a nice mini. Nice. As well. So they're, they're, they're churning bits out. And then the posted as well uh, a collection of hard hats. Hard hats? Yes, in 28mm.
0: Why hard
1: hats? No idea. I'm wondering <laughs> if they're going to be a collection of objective minis but, and like oil workers and stuff like that.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: Like hard hats, you can put
0: on miniatures, or just no, all hats piece. like sitting on the ground.
1: I'm not sure they were just 28 millimeter sculpted hard hats. Yeah, it's Let's literally it.
0: three hard hats sculpted. Um, huh. So it's a teaser, obviously, to something. So yeah. Excellent.
2: hard hat or hard hat miniatures or hard hat um heads just a hat to, 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 oh just a hat yeah yep. just the hat. my no i'm just saying like to a hard hat that, a hat that you can put on one of your guys or if they have to replace the whole head with wearing a hard hat that might be useful i mean yeah, like some engineering project out in the amazon that yeah. gets you know attacked or something or like you were saying oil oil rigger uh oil rig workers but um just like the hat sitting on the ground i don't know what you're gonna do with that that's kind of strange well we'll have to see what happens
1: because the, I mean, further down on Instagram, you've got the objective stuff that they had. So you've got the nuke or the warhead uh-huh. in cases, and one of the other ones I think that was there that they've shown is a pile of money, which I think was to go with the black site miniature or the black site studios um, bank. That oh, they did
2: like a big 1980s style palette of money, like shrink
1: maps Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I could see Pablo oh, Escobar now. There you go.
1: <laughs> so, Spectre are churning out their, 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 their bits. I know it's been quiet, but they have had a, a rule set, I think, coming out, haven't they? And I think that's eaten up a lot of that time. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. All right, let's change gears. Uh, if you remember from our last episode, I gave you all homework assignments. And uh, who would like to go first? Um, Ralph, you had video games. Jim, you I had classic slash boardish war game, and I had oh. miniatures. So, Ralph, why don't you go ahead and kick
1: it off for Ooh. us? Well, I mean, you said uh, really what it was was uh, as an entry into modern gaming on yes. PC or um, console. I mean, the obvious one for everybody if they've never played it and it is a modern game, but it's a game on re we on rails as it's called I would class it as is the original call of duty modern warfare or modern warfare 4 sorry call of duty 4 modern warfare as it was called um the remastered edition came out last year i think it was when the last call of duty game came out okay they just churn them out and that's just a typical first person shooter but it was the very first call of duty sorry call of duty modern warfare 3 that was it um call of duty 3 modern warfare sorry i'll get it right confused um the that was the first call of duty that had gone from because the original two were world war ii Uh
0: um
1: and that was the first game that i can remember of that ilk that had went straight into doing modern conflict um it's got the famous mission which i which everybody loves and i must admit i do love playing through it when you get to it is as a sniper you are an S.E.S. sniper working with one of the other characters or your um, things, and you're crawling and wearing a ghillie suit, and you're having to sneak through Chernobyl,
0: okay.
1: where there's going to be an arms buy in sort of Chernobyl after the um, a long time after the, the the reactor went down. So that's an easy entry game. Yeah, you know, you can So what it makes it an entry in. game? The controlling, the, I would say, the controls, because it is just a typical first-person shooter, so it's mouse, keyboard gun fire you know there's there's nothing intrinsically difficult with the mechanics you know you 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 basically it's run and gun um for things that are a little bit more in-depth i would say you're looking at ghost recon wildlands okay um because of the mechanics behind it, it's still a bit a little bit of a gun and ru- run and gun um done in a third person or first person um, but then you have teammates you can control, or the, you can, or can join you in the game as being other players. Yeah. Um, you've also got skills, so you've got um, equipment to use, so things like the drone and some stuff like that, sync, sync shot, which you would use as a single player, where you you can use the drone to mark, and depending on how many skill points you put into it, it, depends on how many en- enemies you can mark up to three, plus your own shot, that's four. So when you fire the shot, the other three fire. So it's a way of taking down enemies synchronized as you would, you know, through comms and stuff like that. And the map, compared to, say, Call of Duty, because it's an open-world environment, mm-hmm. you can go anywhere anywhere, and everywhere within the, the Bolivian um, environment that they've created, um, compared to, say, Call of Duty, which is you are on a rail, you are moving forward, you can't really divert left and right when you are, you know, in that environment. And the other thing about Wildlands, which is quite good, is they've incorporated content from some of the other modern games. So, one, the first mission they did, there's what's called DLC or downloadable content, was your special forces unit can kill the predator. So you engage with the predator. Oh, um, Yeah. The second... I think it's the second... The second mission they did was you as the team leader or get a mission from your CIA handler and there's another character there with that and it's Sam Fisher from the Splinter Cell series of games that Ubisoft did. So they've incorporated Sam Fisher, they've incorporated some Rainbow Six Siege characters in there and the last DLC they've done is a character... uh, Another ghost turns up called... um, Cole weird. I could be wrong. I haven't. I haven't installed it. I just saw the things. I uh, just saw the, the some YouTube footage of it, and it's voiced and acted by John Berthnell, who went and played the Punisher. But that's the villain of the new Ghost Recon game, which is coming out in, uh, in October. Which is um, Ghost Ghost Recon. Uh. Got to look it up. Can't remember it. That's terrible, isn't it? Ghost Recon. Breakpoint is what it is. So the new Ghost Recon has been announced, and there's a load of footage up there. People can go and have a look at it if they're interested. Uh, the new game's called Gam um, Breakpoint, and the character that you meet in this current day, say for Wildlands is the villain for the next one. So they're tying their games together. Um, and that's a little bit more in-depth, Um, I would say Wildlands is a bit like The Division, where they're a little bit more in-depth in their gameplay and their mechanics compared to something like a first-person shooter. Okay. Um, So that would be my humble recommendations. Perfect. All right, Jim,
0: you're up.
2: Okay, if I remember the conditions of the question correctly, it was come up with a game in not so much your genre, but in your type of game. Um, or medium of game, I guess, you know, miniatures, video game, uh, board game, strategy, and encounter game or whatever. Right. That would be a good entry point for someone who might be, uh, you know, familiar with a hobby, but not familiar with that exact, you know, medium of game. Correct. So, you know, okay, you're a war gamer. You've been playing, you know, uh, F- Flames of War and Bolt Action and Infinity and 40K and who knows what else. And you're tired of listening to uh, a the Babylon about Hex Encounter games, so please, <laughs> I'll try one just to shut them up, okay? Okay, so here's my recommendation, and it's going to come as no big surprise. No, it's not Panzer Leader. <laughs> Panzer Leader is not entry-level, okay? And Panzer Leader, when it came out in 1970, 1969, 1970, was uh, was tragically flawed. It does need some love out of the box. So that's not my recommendation for an entry-level Hex Encounter game. Entry-level Hex Encounter game uh, that risking recommends for people who may not have tried it is, big surprise, Valor and Victory. Okay, and there are uh, more than a couple reasons why. Um, number one, it is easy and light. Um, it's The rule book is 24 pages long, I think. Uh, and a lot of that is illustrations and, you know, examples and charts and things like that. So it's not a lot to read. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just detailed enough to where real, we were talking about this a little bit in the stream last night. It's just detailed enough to where actual tactics that are used on the battlefield, infantry tactics, as primarily an infantry game, infantry tactics will emerge in the game naturally and uh, organically. In other words, it's not a you know special rule or a stat line you have to read off of a unit card or anything clunky like that. The game literally consists of three numbers. An attack factor, roughly speaking, an attack factor, a um, a range factor, and a um, casualty rating, which is a little like a defense factor, but not really. And that's really it. Uh, I mean, of course, there are permutations in there and how those numbers interrelate, but there are no like oh, special abilities. This guy can do this because he's wearing a different colored uniform. That means he's in a different, you know, level of the space-time continuum. He moves differently than everybody else. No, it's not. There's none of that. Okay. <clears throat> Here are some troops, here are some weapons, here's your force, here's a tactical problem. Now you have to go out and you have to solve that tactical problem. It manages to do that without like, a 500-page you know, rulebook. Um, like I said, it's just detailed enough to have this stuff come out on its own. To where in teaching yourself not only the rules of the game, but also how to win at the game... You, know, you can explain to somebody how to play chess in about five minutes. To get someone to become a good chess player can take some people a lifetime. Right. So in becoming a good Valorant Victory player, you are teaching yourself, whether you realize it or not, real life infantry tactics. Um, the next reason is it's level. Um, it's a relatively low level game as far as, you know. each counter on the map represents either a squad or a fire team or a single leader, NCO or officer. So it's either four men, eight men or one man. A hex is usually considered about 20 meters across. So a good sized Valorant Victory map is really only about maybe three bolt action tables, maybe two Flames of War tables. So for people who are more accustomed to these other kinds of games, it's not that big of a jump. A standard, say, uh, force in Valorant Victory only comes out to 40, or 40 to 80 men. And again, if you're used to playing Flames of War, Forty to eighty men on the table is not some gigantic, uh, you know, leap that's you know going to boggle your brain or whatever. You know, you're going to be able to handle it. It's you know not going to be a problem. Uh, there's a great community for the game. Um, the community is mostly on Board Game Geek, although there is also a site for the game itself that uh, Balor, uh, Barry uh, Doyle has put together. That's Valor and victorycom Victory um, You can go there and check it out, and you can see what people are coming up with. Uh, there's a ton of mods out there. People create their own armies, their own rule sets, their own uh, expansions, their own maps. There are hundreds of maps available um, because everyone who can, you know, even has like Microsoft Paint for crying out loud, can um, can you know draw their own you know draw their own maps. People create maps that they're uh, they're going to play on Steam. I think it's getting a Steam release. If it hasn't already, it's getting it soon. Uh, people also play it on Vassal, so it's easy to get into, and it's all over the place. There's a uh, World War One mod that some clown over on on Tabletop put together. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, that same guy came out with one for Vietnam and also came out with one for 1982 Lebanon. Uh, we also tried one for um, 1982 Falklands just last night. There's a guy on Board Game Geek who, I'm not kidding, has come out with Valorant Victory for Mars Attacks. <laughs> And it looks like a lot of fun. And he actually has good games with it, you know. It's infinitely moddable. It's infinitely adjustable. You can have it do almost anything you want. One thing I really do want to do, and this might be another one of my summer projects, is adopting Valor and Victory for Star Wars. Oh, wow. Yeah, star. Uh, so Stormtroopers, you know, the 501st versus like, you know, uh, Rebel Commandos, things like that. Um, if we remember back to the original trilogy and even some of the prequels, what we see is Star Wars ground combat is mostly dominated by infantry. Um, vehicles get destroyed pretty quickly in that game. I mean, the Skywalker takes out one with a lightsaber. Uh, the Ewoks smash up uh, light tanks, basically, with logs. So v- let's face it, ground vehicles and ground combat in Star Wars pretty much stink. It's mostly an infantry game, small scale, small ranges, again, perfect for... Um, for Valor and Victory, and again, infinitely modable. And to wrap up this long-winded conversation, uh, the number one reason Valor and Victory is a good entry game for people who may not be into this kind of game, but maybe want to give it a try, is its cost. Is its price point? The cost for Valor and Victory is flat zero. It costs you not one red cent to download the rules, download a bunch of maps. You will spend a little bit of time uh, printing out the maps, you know, mounting them on some kind of cardboard, if that's your thing, you know, maybe cutting out some counters. But I mean, as far as an entry level game for someone who's maybe not sure whether or not they like this kind of game, mm-hmm. let's just do a little bit of realistic contingency planning here. If you're a guy that likes bolt action, flames of war, uh, battle group, flame, you know, all this tactical, traditional miniature games, and you want to try hex and counter games, you go into that with the 50-50 shot that it just might not be your thing. And if it's not your thing, you can back out of the project and it has cost you literally flat broke, nothing, zero, nothing. So those are my recommendations for, uh, I think, why and Victory you know, might be a good game. If, that way, if it's not your thing, you haven't lost anything except maybe a little bit of time. Nice.
0: That's an excellent recommendation. Thank you, Jim. All right, so we move on to the miniature side. And my recommendation is going to be a little different, shall we say, because the game technically isn't out yet. However, the precursor to it is out. So there is a new game from Dish Dash Publishing called Ultra Combat. Uh, The modern version will be coming out later this summer, early fall, is my understanding. Uh, But the Normandy version is currently out. And what this is is a fire team to squad level game that uses uh, card-based identifiers for your team members, and it's very simple mechanics, but not like so simple it's boring. It's just easy to play, fast play. It's it's made for fast play. So for those who may have not played miniature games before. This appears to be a great entry point into a miniature game. Um, there are also much, um, I don't want to say more complex, but there are more in-depth sets as well, you know, rule sets, uh, including Dish Dash's own Skirmish Sangin, which really gets into the weeds on character creation and uh, a lot of the, you know, nitty-gritty realism, if you will. Um, but I, my recommendation right now is... Ultra combat uh, will be modern, uh, but to get your feet wet into the game, you can currently pick up Normandy and it breaks everything down into very simple. uh, You know, like you have junior NCOs and officers, and each one, each of your squad or fire team, will have their own card which gives a spotting, um, you know, a shooting, casualty types of things like that, morale, points. Everything is on a card. So everything, you know, there isn't a lot of um, things for you to have to remember or jot down in paperwork. It will lay out in front of you. Uh, The model count is low because it could be as small as a four-person fire team. This is done in 28 mil. They have some really nice miniatures that are going with the Ultra Combat Modern. Uh, One of them I painted up on the live stream, the Russian Federation Troop. Uh, the detail's very nice. They're a little on the beefier side, which it makes it good for beginners as well for painting because the detail really stands out. Um, it I seems think it's to classed it's, as
1: heroic scale, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah I would say almost a his, her, heroic scale. Um, but, you know, I mean, the modifiers are easy. Everything's laid out in a card-based format. The rulebook is very clean. Um, we will do a review, you know... T- Even though it's technically World War II, I think we're going to do a teaser review of Ultra Combat Normandy as we get closer to the release of Ultra Combat Modern, so people kind of have an idea of what to to expect in some formats. Um, You don't necessarily need the cards to play, is my understanding, but I do have the cards with the rulebook. So... Because I think the stuff is in the in the rulebook as well. I don't have my rulebook sitting in front of me, but I believe the cards are actually printed on the pages in the back, so you do have access to the information as well. It's just nice having the actual cards; they're playing card size, uh, just so you can lay it out in your table, you know, when you're playing the game, so you have easy access to all the information.
1: Um, yeah, they're in the rulebook. Yeah, I've got my PDF version open here.
0: Okay, perfect. Thank you, Ralph. So, easy play game. Uh, my understanding is it's got a lot of replayability. Uh, like I said, we will do definitely do a, a video of it at some point. Um, Ralph, do they have miniatures for Normandy, or are they just letting you use whatever? Mini- use I whatever you want, modern, right? So it's
1: you- only modern that he's done. you know, it's it's, it's use whatever you want. I mean, oh. yeah. Uh, when I picked up Normandy, because I picked up, same as you, I bought it. So I've got my rule book sitting on the shelf with the cards and I've got the PDF version. Is it's actually from a World War II gaming point of view? Uh-huh. That's going to be my go to game over bolt action.
0: Okay. And so uh, why would that be for you?
1: Just I prefer the rule set. I just prefer the idea of well of not having to mess around with ranges and stuff like that because there's no ranges in it. Okay. You know, it's all actual thing, and it just seems to flow better, and the force creation's a bit easier. Uh-huh. You know, gold action, you're playing around with, um, I've got, say, a thousand points, I've got this, this, and this, where that is just, like, a very simple game is a 12-man, 600 points, 12-man um, fire team, and that's it. You know, it's a that would be a very simple starting game, and you know, and I've got a load of Bolt Action minis, and I've got some new, some new with the Bolt Action plastics to build, and a spare Sherman. So yeah, there it is, there it goes. You know, it, it just flows for me. It just flows a bit better, and you know, I enjoyed Bolt Action when I played it. You know, the mechanic, like the dice mechanic. I think that's quite clever, but I'm not that. I want something else. I want something different. And that's why, you know, that, that just appealed to me be, to be different, and I backed the, the Kickstarter, like you, with all the minis, so hopefully when that turns up in November, I think it is he's looking at. yeah, I think it's mid-fall, um, called the Kickstarter, so it's just a shame he didn't hit the end, so we could have got the, the vehicles. <laughs> it is Kickstarter, but we can pick the vehicles up anywhere, I think, to be honest. Awesome.
0: So that's my uh, recommendation for a uh, entry levels, uh, game to get into. So, uh, as we get ready to wrap up this Memorial day episode, um, I thought we would just do a little poignant moments in remembering some people from our service time. Uh, Jim, did you have one? Um, I, I, like, like a personal one, honestly, not really. Okay. Uh,
2: to be perfectly honest, um, you know, when I was in, uh, you know, I was in a non-combat MOS, you know, as everyone knows, um, never even got close to any kind of, um, you know, you know, hard work or whatever. And as a result, most of my friends and people that I knew were in either the same MOS or in, you know, associated MOSs, you know, so I knew a lot of MPs, I knew a lot of cooks, I knew a lot of, uh, you know, motor T guys, um, you know, pretty much all the guys that everyone else makes fun of, you know, the rear with the gear guys. Um, <laughs> We did uh, we did serve on uh, on our bases a funeral detail. So we did 167 burials. Uh, sometimes that got a little poignant. Um, the rules were at least when I was still in. This is you know 25 years ago. Um, if you had served at least 180 days and received an honorable discharge, and if you lived within 50 miles of a base that was equipped with such a team, you raided a military burial. And if somebody, you know, called in, says, oh, you know, my grandfather or my uncle or whoever, you know, has passed away, Uh, he was in, you know, the Army in, you know, 1942, he did, you know, four years, and now he's out, and then, you know, 60 years later, he passes away, you know, can you come out and, you know, help us take care of him or whatever, and, um Again, we didn't really do any. Um, we didn't really do any uh, any combat fatalities there. It's mostly just people who retired a long time ago, and you know now they've passed away. So now you know we're going to help the families take care of them. But you know it was something that we really did take very seriously, and you could feel it on the team. A burial team is seventeen men. Uh, so you've got six. Um, so you've got six pallbearers, staff NCOIC, an officer in charge. He's the guy that actually provide. Uh, he's usually a captain. He's the guy that actually presents the next of kin with the flag. A bugler, seven riflemen, and and a, a chaplain. We had one Navy guy on on the um, on the team. Uh, he's actually the senior senior man on the team. He's usually the uh, yeah battalion chaplain. Um, So, you know, 17 guys and, you know, you pile up in these vans. First of all, it's it's usually a Saturday or a Sunday, as as luck would have it. You know, you don't want to be there. You're in your alphas. You're sweating, you know, like a stuck pig. It's, you know, everyone's like cracking jokes and, you know, clowning around. You're basically 18, 19, 20-year-old kids in the back of of, of a white van driving down the road through God knows where South Carolina. Or North Carolina. I mean, you're off on the stick somewhere, and everyone's goofing off and you know slapping each other around and you know trading you know filthy jokes or whatever. But I tell you what, the second those the van door slides open, um, you know your Marines, you start taking it very seriously. And uh, you know whether or not he retired, you know forty years ago, fifty years ago, sixty years ago, whether or not he's Army, Navy, Marine Corps, you know who knows what. That's you know a fellow service serviceman, you know in that in that casket. And um, as one of the pallbearers, I'm me and five, you know, other guys are the ones that actually carry him out of box out of the hearse to the gravesite, and we fold the flag over the casket, and hand it to the OIC. OIC then presents it to the next of kin. So that's something that we took very, very seriously. And again, once everyone kind of piles back into the van, the job's done, the air conditioning's back on. You know, you start loosening up the ties in your alphas, and everyone's, you know. Back to being you know a twenty year old marine again you know wondering when the first beer downrange is going to be, but um, it was I always was somewhat struck by that mood shift, uh, you know when when that van door slid open, and it was you know a real deal for about you know forty five you know 35, 45 minutes, um, in an otherwise pretty uh, you know pretty casual day, but uh, yeah for a while there it got really serious and I was always you know just really
0: struck with that. Thank you for sharing that, Jim. So I have, unfortunately, several I could talk about, but one that sticks out to my mind um, because he was a great influence in a part of my military career, and his name was uh, Staff Sergeant Bill Farron. Bill was a member of the 106th Aviation um, Bravo Company, and... When I got to Bravo Company, this was a National Guard unit here in Illinois. Um, it was an assault helicopter unit. Um, so we had Black Hawks. and um, he kind of took me under his wing. you know he this was a Vietnam guy. He was a door gunner crew chief in Vietnam. That's where he started. Um, so this is mid nineties, and he's you know, he got out of the army, decided he missed it, and came back in. Um, He was actually active guard, which means full-time. So he was a civilian tech during the week uh, for the National Guard, and then, you know, he had a military commitment um, for our weekends and, you know, deployments and drill and all that. So he was an encyclopedia of anything Army aviation, you know, how to, you know, uh, do your Inspections on your helicopter, how to do pre-flights, you know, just a plethora of information. Uh, So just an amazing person to know. He's a good friend. We joked around a lot at AT. You know, we did some stupid military stuff. And um, I had left the unit to go off to, where did I go after that? I think I went up to the Wisconsin National Guard to the air ambulance unit up there. At that point, and they got deployed to uh, Iraqi Freedom, and which I had just missed, which is you know another thing that haunts me. But anyway, while they were over there, um, Bill took ill and had to be evac out of their forward operating base back to Germany, and he passed mid-flight. Um, so it's it just one of those that hit me real hard even though it wasn't truly combat related he still passed in service um, so every Memorial Day I think of him um, I think of some of the rangers that we took care of um, after a parachute jump that burned in uh, burned in as a paratrooper sling for when the uh, parachute doesn't open or doesn't open properly and they don't successfully land um, they hit the ground with a lot of force um, so and then some SF guys that I knew um, the one that really stands out and Jim you might remember this I think it was before it was before you entered service but being that you're up on military history, you might remember this event um, at Fort Bragg in 87 there was a c130 doing a lapse low altitude parachute delivery system um, and they were dropping out I think it was a sherman if I'm not mistaken uh, not a Sherman a Sheridan sorry um and it was that or a big pallet I can't remember what the load was but the plane came in the c130 came in the chutes deployed and I don't know if the pilot overcorrected or what happened but the tail hit the ground the the ramp and then the plane flipped over and went and and, and you it happened right in front of because I was on drop zone duty that day So you saw playing pieces, you know, unfortunately, bodies, and it was a very traumatic event. So on Memorial Day, I always think of all those people. So it's not meant to get you all down, but we just want to make sure that we're observing this day for what it's truly for. Um, You know, so then when we're playing with our, as people say, toy soldiers, we can still be respectful to those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. So... With that, I'm going to close out the show. Uh, We definitely want to thank our Patreon supporters uh, at the team supporter level Anthony Watts, Lawrence Townsend. Our preferred member is Jennifer Lemon. And our producers are Dennis Cross, Dylan Asmus, JJ, and Rasmus. And we want to thank you all for listening. I want to thank Ralph and Jim, as always, for being part of the team. Uh, We are now going to go on our summer break, and we will come back to you guys in July. And until the meantime, keep the dice rolling in your favor and enjoy your summer, and we'll see you in a month or so. Take care, guys.